Okay. Welcome to the Grog Pod Roguelike Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Berger. Today, we're going to be talking about Darkest Dungeons 2, a dungeon game diving deep into mental health and making sure people are invested in their interpersonal relationships. And with me today are my two co-hosts joining me as usual on this mental health uh, improvement and awareness simulator. I'm Colin, a wretch being crushed by the wheels of a brutal and merciless world. That's about right. And this and this is Will, and I am just a maximum stressed out uh, narrator who's <laughs> wanting to air grievances. Well, with my uh, dubious attempt at a Sam Harris, that's what that was. I liked it. Sam Harris. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what Sam Harris sounds like when he intros the podcast, okay. but I liked you're, it. You're listening to the Grog Pod Sam Harris podcast. Grog Pod in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd have to say something about housekeeping and uh, something along those lines. That well, I didn't, I didn't want to outright. Yeah, I didn't want to outright steal his intro music and, mm. and get blocked off Apple Podcasts for good. But uh, yes, this this week we're talking Darkest Dungeons Two, our most uh, fresh out of the box game that we've reviewed thus far. I did the math. So far, on average, we've been covering games that are about seven years old i mean we haven't really covered that many yet but this is darkest dungeon 2 has only come out as of recording right now 29 days ago uh and i i I think we'll get into it uh is very fresh out of the box uh darkest dungeons 2 platform wise you can find it on the epic game store steam and that's it for now uh Presumably, console versions are coming. Darkest Dungeons 1, uh, the previous entry in this franchise, also came out on basically everything Xbox, PlayStation, Switch. I can only imagine that this game will come to those at some point. But I hope it doesn't. <laughs> we're, we're 29 days in, uh, hot off the heels of... Tech, well, okay, technically the Steam release is 29 days ago. Uh Darkest Dungeons 2 did come out in early access on the Epic Games Epic Game Store like a year ago, but because that's a marketing black hole, no one actually knew about it until just now. Uh, Darkest Dungeons 2 uh, developed and published by Red Hook Studios, uh, most well-known and only well-known for their only other game that they've produced, Darkest Dungeons 1, back in 2016. Uh Darkest Dungeons 2 pulls in I, I fresh numbers right off of uh, the, the Steam API this morning in a frantic rush for me to update the data set. Uh, DD2 rolls in at number 98 on the entire genre of roguelike games with 8,013 8, total reviews. Uh, Will, I think it's pretty clear that you've reached <laughs> peak stress at this moment. Uh <clears throat> Are you going to have a meltdown, toxic, or resolute one-sentence description of what one does in Darkest Oh, Dungeons? meltdown. Meltdown. Yeah. Uh, despite, yeah, despite the, okay, in the one sentence, or, you know, approximately one, uh, despite this being the freshest game we've played, it definitely smells the most rotten. It The, the long story short here is it's like the first one, which is a, a, a tactical, interesting, 
um, plot developing, uh, good use of game mechanics game, but then they decided to just infuse it with shit and just not just like a little bit, <laughs> but everywhere, just stuff the shit in and just until it's at capacity and then stuff it some more with more game mechanics and more terrible ideas that just don't work. And so are you that's... sure you got out of the uh, the sluice level, or are you still still in it? Are you recording from the sluice right now, or uh, I don't even remember what the there were so many names for the different stupid things. I don't even if that is that a thing that's in the game. I don't that's know. That's the that's the one with the the pigmen, pigmen okay. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Darkest Dungeons two. I think okay, so uh, maybe to preface this uh angry tirade of a podcast uh. <laughs> I think two two good rules to have here are number one, it's okay to to like or not like a game, <laughs> and number two, oh good, that's a good thing. Uh, all developers go to heaven, all devs go to heaven, and it's okay to to like or not like a game. I think those those are two good ground rules to start because I think this this might be a little bit. I think there might be a little bit of contention here. Um, our story begins with Darkest Dungeon two, where uh. Ruin has found you at last. Uh, a zombie, uh, I get question mark, professor, uh, busts open a wall to find you and say, the ephemeral equation is unbalanced. Oh, maybe I need more uh, Shatner voice in there. but uh, And that, I guess, the, the doomsday apocalypse has come to, uh, to the world, uh, and you've been tasked by... Uh, undead professor zombie man uh to take a little bit of a, a flame of hope uh out into the world and face what lurks uh out in the mountain uh and i guess what lurks in there is the darkest dungeon which uh we'll get to in a minute but that's that's what kicks us off here did what was i guess like also this game being darkest dungeon 2 colin and i i think came to this with Darkest Dungeon Zero experience. I, yeah, actually, I was going to ask you the same question. Uh, so I I just looked. I put uh, two and a half hours into the first one. So yeah, and I only I, put maybe like an hour or two into the first one, just as like a curiosity of like, okay, I got yeah. this on like super, super steep discount on Steam. Like, what's this all about? It's for sure a stay tuned for this podcast. Absolutely. But like okay well you know i've got 20 minutes to kill let's bop it open and see what this is like okay yeah this is this is different uh let's go back to the other game that we were playing for this week uh but will you have considerably more experience with darkest dungeons one yeah and that's that's why i wanted this uh darkest dungeon 2 i was just like oh i was so, so excited for this one to come out and i was i was really looking forward to it i think i had 75 hours in the first one and I gave it a 7.5 rating, which is, you know, above my above the, the recommendation threshold of six. So it was like, OK, that's it was a good game. They didn't yeah, get and... everything right, but like they definitely it was a well put together. I mean, I, I felt like the narrative worked, the the sort of game mechanics that they tied together. Everything kind of fit. And it wasn't like perfect for me, but I really enjoyed the first one. I have I know a lot of people who really like Darkest Dungeon 1, including Joe, our guest from last week, who. Hi, Joe. You know. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Uh, yes. And also almost certain listener um, who really liked this game or sorry, really liked Darkest Dungeon 1 and was super excited for Darkest Dungeon 2 to come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think I think he's most... the reason that I played the first one at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would yeah, be I think 
a lot of people were probably super pumped for Darkest Dungeon 2 because they were big fans of Darkest Dungeons 1. Uh, I think, like, I'm I'm hesitant to have this be, like, a comparison podcast episode because I think there's, like, an interesting element of Colin and I coming to this game fresh and Will coming to this game with kind of his uh, emotional gameplay baggage from the first one. Uh, and, yeah, I think, like, right off the bat, like, you know, the, the, the art style for the first one, very like inky black, uh, I don't know if cartoony is the right word, but like very, yeah, they were cartoons. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, like those, um, I'm, this is killing me. Uh, those like graphic novels that just have like really heavy, like ink lines on them. I don't know how to describe it. Like a Sin City kind of a thing. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's I, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, uh, like i'm comparing it to something like the clay games uh mm -hmm. griftlands or um don't starve or whatever where it's got it's like, like very thick lines uh, it, it's like a stylized thick line animation where like the the black of the lines is very emphasized but where i don't like the clay animation i actually do really like the animation of the like the 2d animation from both of the dark dungeon games like mm -hmm. it's it's stylized without being cartoonish like like uh i don't know childishly cartoonish yeah a childish it's, it's not something that would be on a, a mobile game ad you know um <laughs> that's that's the big difference here i think mm -hmm. uh yeah and i think that like like we we're getting a lot of whiplash from our previous episode monster train to here for multiple reasons one i think is like the the wildly different art style, the wildly different gameplay, just like everything being so t like the pace of gameplay, just like how everything looks, music, just like ev everything that you could think of being different. Uh, for me, this was this was like slamming into a brick wall, slow almost uh, compared to Monster Train. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say that the real comparison for me is going to be between Monster Train and this. Because I I've been playing Mon I pl I was playing Monster Train right before this podcast. I'm actually <laughs> I bumped it up to number two in my rankings because I've been playing it for the past two weeks. I'm like, oh no, I really like this game. Mm -hmm. And then you hit this, and you're just like, ah, oh, this is a it's a different design philosophy for sure. Yes, very different. Uh, but it does start off with uh one thing that that is in Will's favorite game of all time. And therefore, this is also Will's favorite game. Oh, of the all overworld? Time. Is yeah, the Slay the Spire style, FTL style, like multi-branch selection, like path choosing. Yeah. Big they, they did that. That's yeah. one part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh and that's all you need. That's all you need to really make <laughs> a 10 out of 10 Will game, uh, as we all know. But yeah, the difference, the difference is here for darkest dungeon 2 i almost i have like several my god how many pages of notes do i, I have 10 pages of my google doc uh of notes here because i wanted to be as, as thorough as i could for a game that i think a lot of people have high expectations for and there's a lot to unpack but i feel like one of the major not failings of this game but something that kind of rug pulls a little bit is the the number two or the ii in the title where like this is clearly in the darkest dungeons universe it plays pretty similar to the first one uh but would this be like 
better titled as like Darkest Dungeons T-O-O or like Darkest Dungeons as well, as opposed to like, this is the sequel to the first one. Oh, I don't, I'm here. Well, I wouldn't be the right one. To, even though I played the first one all the way through to the end and I, I don't remember the story. I just remember that it felt coherent. And this one uh, uh, is just another crazy sort of like the background. Oh, there's zombies. There's things coming out. OK, and we're in a cart. OK, yeah, that's the basic difference. But uh, I think the last one was there was like a there, there was actually a dungeon. Which is, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so Darkest, oh, a dungeon in Darkest Dungeon. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense than you are not on a dungeon in this overworld. Um, but yeah, I, I, had to, I had to make a, a note in my Google Doc with a Lunch Lady Doris impression saying, there's very little dungeon in this Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I guess, so I guess, you know, technically there are dungeons to some degree, but you're not like exploring like the dungeon isn't like the de facto thing that you're diving into where that was kind of like the cornerstone of the first one the cornerstone of this one is i think maybe its weakest part and that is the wagon yes the wagon is terror i mean okay go ahead i'll, I'll, I'll let you oh yeah this is <laughs> well, a good place to start though because yeah, like, okay. the overworld so the wa- wagon and all the mechanics that go into like the decisions around where you want to go is like foundational to this kind of game. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on why you think it was done so well. Well, okay. So (laughs) uh, there's, I think at the top, I don't hate this game. I think I, this was another game where I had a really hard time ranking, ranking it. And we'll get to that at the end here. Mm, But like, uh, but like I was bouncing back and forth all over the place. And I'm like, man, you know, if this game just feels too early, Right. And I feel like the the aspect that feels the clunkiest is like the core part where you are. So you assemble your your party of friends at the start of this game. Uh, You emerge from the abyss, like the art style, the music, the animations, everything super well done. You arrive in this wooden horse drawn cart and you set off. Okay, great. Your your adventure has begun into the mandatory tutorial zone for every run which I kind of like that makes sense as like a first player experience introduction. Uh, Even though I kind of like got cracked over the head a few times. I'm like, what is going on here? What am I missing? But what, like you cycle through it a few times. You you start to get the pattern. You get into the tutorial zone and you're just going basically in a straight line to the end. And you do that by (laughs) doing this um, stagecoach driving sequence where you it's all 3d rendered which seems superfluous question mark yep absolutely uh and there's there's like little piles of debris on the road that this took me forever to figure out like do i avoid these things or do i run into these things because there's a big gameplay mechanic of you have to maintain your carts um like wheel health and like armor health and you know, depending on what branch you select in later acts, you know, you'll you'll take like wheel damage or armor damage, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm seeing these little piles of leaves on the ground. I'm like, okay, well, do I avoid it? Like, okay, this run, I'm just going to run into everything and see what happens. Oh, I get little items. Okay. Uh, that wasn't super clear at the start, but I guess I'll do that now. And then after a while, I was like, well, like, do I really need to like be focused on this whole segment of going from like location to location like in in ftl right you have your little spaceship you're at node a and you want to go to node b you click it and then the the guy goes there that's it 
That's all you need. In Darkest Dungeon 2, it's like imagining the spaceship doing a... This will sound way more exciting than it actually is, but like a Star Fox-style sequence of like on rails, like, oh, you could swing to this side, you could swing to that side, but it doesn't it doesn't feel necessary and it seems like i'm kind of like railing a lot on this thing it's like oh, it doesn't seem like a big deal uh but it chugs really bad i don't know if you guys have beefier computers than i do i have only a, a puny gtx 970 in my <laughs> desktop i know i'm living in the past here but uh but it was it was crunching down to like 20 frames per second pretty consistently nice. during these segments uh yeah, uh, I didn't yeah, I didn't no. have that issue, but uh I mean I, I didn't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> My issue was entirely with the with the the trudging down of the path where you had to drive a wagon like a bad minigame, un a bad unskippable minigame with little reward that you had to do every between every fight. I, I wasn't even familiar with like anything good coming out of hitting anything I, th I, I as far as i was under under the impression of like you just hands free wait and if you don't do anything it's the same thing and you're just yeah, like there's a tool tip that says uh, you can get stuff from hitting bushes or whatever oh the one that's thing... interesting you would think that you'd want to avoid the things because you have wheel health and you have right. armor health and so none of that, none of that is a coherent story around what you should be doing then. Like, oh, hit the things, but also your wheels might get damaged, but not from this. Uh, like, what? And How also the, like, the view on it is like extremely difficult to like see what's going on. So. Like the camera angle, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the camera angle and you're flying through like a, like 2.5D mm -hmm. rendering where it's like, I guess it's probably fully 3D, but it's stylized in a way that makes it look like it's supposed to be 2D. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're like twisting and turning and going up and down. Um, I will, uh, I will I'm like... Gonna, oh, this is going to be a pull that no one gets, but uh, <laughs> maybe Woody, if he's listening. Uh -huh. Quest 64, I think, is the game. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, a terrible game for the n64 uh that my mom bought for me bless her heart uh she thought it was like Colin's a mom, game. we know you're listening but mm. it wasn't a good game and I, for some reason like the sequence reminded me of that where it's just like i don't know random polygon of going up and down with like shit on the side mm -hmm. that's as interesting as it was I well, yeah like... but then but it's part of like the the decision making uh 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 process where you're looking at this overworld or the, 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 yeah, the overworld map and like along all the way you see all like these little pathways where you know oh if i go this pathway then i'm going to take wheel damage or i'm going to take armor damage yeah but you're I not making that decision while you're, while you're going down the pathway no no but it's that... like you would eventually you no matter what you would hit the thing that would cause the wheel damage or you'd hit the thing that caused the armor damage it's funny because it's like the same mechanic they decided decided to duplicate and did two different currencies of health essentially Mm -hmm. And with the laments being like this other thing that progresses as well. And it's just like, they just, and this is kind of like, kind of all ties into my meta gripe here, which is that they just took all these game mechanics and just stuffed them into the game. Like they just kept stuffing and stuffing to the gills where for the first time experience, like 
there are they introduce about a hundred mechanics in the first uh, like time you go through, like including in addition to the the wheel armor and and the, the wagon health and laments. There's like characters have their own like all of, all of your four characters. They all have specific map objectives. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you have to go to two hospitals. Oh, I need to go to the lighthouse. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't like, have to, but you do no, get you don't some have special to, bonuses. Yeah, you kind of do because they also have interpersonal relationships. Oh, and yeah. You have to Jeez. boost their relationships. <laughs> you make sure they're happy. And if you don't make sure they're happy, then you can't use certain moves because they're like, oh, I'm jealous that Joe Bob has the, the one move that he's oh. good at. So every time you use it, our relationship is going to go down and then I'm going to be blinded with f- jealousy. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's another like big, I mean, I want to get into that, but like the overall, there's all these, like in other games, which I won't mention, but you know, we know what we're talking about. There's a, there's a loss function, a way that a decision-making sort of like set of parameters where you look at like the decisions in front of you and you're able to like, look, not just at the decision, like one ahead and say, Oh, I should fight a really big boss because I need a big reward and I've got a lot of health. And there's like a health thing after it. Oh, great. That's like, you know, you have to think like two moves ahead to like start thinking about like paths. In this case, you have to like add up, okay, what's my wagons condition with all these things? What do, where do I need to go in the long run? Where, how do I need to like, what? It, there's just like a thousand things that are all competing for your needs. And while that might sound like it makes it oh more complex and fun, no, it turns out that then you just feel like you're kind of waffling be- between decisions because they all represent, you know, a local peak on like your decision making like a uh, 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 landscape. And so it's like, well, yeah, this peak looks just, just as good as that one, as far as I can tell. And it's just like, it's not a fun thing to feel like, ah, uh, this is a, a decision. OK, I guess I made it. Was this the same uh, kind of style as Darkest Dungeons 1? No, not at all. The Darkest Dungeons 1, uh, and I'll have to. Hopefully I'm not misremembering it or mixing it up with another game because it's been several years. But like I'm pretty sure it's a situation where it was still automat- automatically going between different points. Um, like you, you choose a node essentially in a dungeon, and then you would see like the them all traveling together as your light slowly gets dimmer, and like occasionally there would be random events that would like pop up in the middle of the way. But essentially you're just kind of going A to B. And sometimes I believe there was backtracking was an element. And mm-hmm. so that it wasn't always moving ahead. And backtracking is one of those things that you typically want to avoid. But it worked really well because then it's like, oh, I want to go to this room. But I know if I go there, then my candle will be down low enough where you have to take a risk where like if I go there and I don't get more like light for my my torch or whatever it was in the first game that I might run out. And then that makes things super hard. And so there was a lot more strategy that went into the decision making that was like obvious, but like Mm -hmm. where you knew what risk you were taking and where it felt a lot more satisfying. Well, and so in the first game, you had your candle or torch or whatever, where you're you're in a literal dark dungeon and your candle is burning down and you have to get to the end or the objectives or whatever before your candle runs out. In this, it's like uh, there's a torch on your wagon. Why? Well, because Professor Professor Z has given it to you. Right. But like it works thematically with the first game and with the Mm -hmm. second game is just a... It could be literally anything. It could be like a dude in the back who's bleeding out. It could be <laughs> uh, like that visual. a death plant that's growing. It will explode and destroy the world when you're done. Like it, it, ha- it has absolutely no connection to the theme of the game. You're above the ground. You are presumably in. Uh, I mean, I guess it's very dark looking. Right, well, go traveling during the day. That would have saved them a lot of trouble. Just travel <laughs> during the day, really. And like, I don't really feel like I had a good sense of what 
the world. Like it was just kind of like you start off and you're like traveling through like weird misty blackness mm-hmm. and it just felt untethered from anything. Like yeah. I didn't feel like I was in a place. It, in some ways it almost reminded me of like Loop Hero where you're in like a vague land where nothing around it like st- exists anymore but that's absolutely not what this game was trying to be mm-hmm. like you are supposedly in a place but yeah, i did not and, feel connected to it at all and it definitely feels like will was kind of alluding to this of like a, a bunch of different systems mashed together under the theme of the darkest dungeons universe so in this Darkest Dungeons as well game. Actually, hang on. You know what it is? I'm going to grab it for audio purpose sake of a podcast. Audio Beautiful media. Podcasting. Audio media. It's this. It is Steppenfeld's Castles of Burgundy in <laughs> roguelike setting with all sorts of like, like bamboozling tokens and systems that are interconnected with each other and a theme that seems like somewhat like, I don't know, kind of disconnected from the gameplay mechanics. But... Once you grok it, and this is where I think I kind of split from the field here. It, I think I'm the light is starting to turn on for me. Of like, okay, I think I'm starting to get it. I think I'm starting to understand how all of these systems are interlinked. Where, yeah, it, it, it is annoying to have like your characters all of a sudden be like, well, if you want to use this ability, it's going to blind your other dude. Uh, but that makes, I think, for an interesting gameplay decision of, well, do I, in combat, do I really want to use this thing? Because, like, it might have an adverse effect on my character. Or, like, going about the steps to mitigate that relationship from happening. So we we kind of talked about, you know, you're wagoning through uh, the tutorial zone, the valley, fighting zombies. You come to an inn, and that's where you have kind of like a, a checkpoint period where you can again this took me like way too long to figure out six only 16 hours into the game but like it's it's taken me this long to kind of like get the systems now i'm like okay i think i finally got it all of the all the sheep tokens and all the little uh wooden cubes are starting to get it for me here uh where you have uh combat items you have items for the inn you have items for your wagon like the more that I was interfacing with this, the more I'm like, okay, this this is just seeming like a complicated European board game in roguelike format. Okay, I think like with that mindset, this is starting to fall into place. Um, using those in items, you can help to manage your character's stress, keep people from freaking out, keeping keeping them nice and loose and nice and relaxed. You're you're listening to the grog pod, and you are nice and relaxed. Your muscles. <laughs> That's what this game was. There's just the, the random freak out uh-huh. in the middle of a nice soothing inn. Yeah, I think um, the the disjointedness of the of the biomes I'm conflicted on because like I I another thing that again took me way too long. The game did not do a very good job of explaining it. The first time that you play the game, you're on like act one out of five. And it is it's the act of doubt. And that kind of determines the boss that you fight at the at the end of the run. Um, in order to do that, you go through your tutorial zone and then you have an option to pick between 
uh, the Tangle, which is a haunted forest of plant thorn enemies, or the Sprawl, which is a very uh, on fire kind of medieval uh, castle hamlet filled with um, bandits and uh, people who slice you up real good. Um, I thought the art for these were great. I thought like, you know, the wagon segment, well, tedious, uh, that kind of going through the 3D environment, seeing like the vines kind of come down. If it was like, <laughs> like almost anything else, it would be really cool. Like utilize the 3D environment more or something. I don't know. Um, you go through like those two uh, environments and then you're able to go to the mountain. Even even though the tooltip says that you need a trophy in order to do so. And I'm like, what the hell's a trophy? You get to the mountain and then you get your ass beat. It's almost unavoidable. And then you do it all again. And you do it two or three more times with different characters. And by the time that you beat that first boss, you're like, okay, that's the real tutorial zone. I think I've finally made it out of the main tutorial of the game. And then that's when the other biomes unlock of the shroud, which is a bunch of like weird fish people. You have the fetter, which are uh um weird like tooth monster human mutants and then you have the sluice which half pig half men what more can we say um but none of these are really kind of thematically connected to each other it's not like in ftl where you have like different sectors of like okay i'm going to choose this branch of the overworld because i'm going to go like focus on finding like mantis and then like engineer people and like the interconnectedness of it seems i don't know they could almost could have been anything really um which well, kind of like the monster trains like different uh different classes or whatever you know with the right. the fit the umbra the 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 fish people of hell the fish people of hell oh yeah I mean, that's like, in a the lot Bible. of it yeah I remember exactly that <laughs> it's in the apocrypha in there somewhere uh but yeah i think like the the character selection here is interesting i think one of the things that rightfully question mark people are pretty mad at is that uh darkest dungeons 2 launching 40 dollars, which already puts it into maybe like the top 99 percent of roguelike game pricing territory uh is is three-dimensional there's a lot more animation involved i think all of us can, you know, come to an agreement that game dev, game dev is hard. Moving from 2D to 3D is exponentially more hard. But you you start with four characters available out of 16, where in Darkest Dungeons 1, you had 30 to pick from. And maybe, I don't know, like, again, I don't have the baggage from playing Darkest Dungeon 1 where I'm like, man, it would really good be good to have that sharpshooter guy in this game or the guy with the the dog who I guess people would really like. Uh, I, th I feel like the cast of characters here works well. Uh, the, P the four kind of characters you start with at the start, like, work well once you unlock things. But I think you're deliberately set up for failure right at the start because, like, there's not a whole... It's It's not obvious how the synergies work. At least for me. Yeah. Did, did you I guys have like, that experience? Well, okay, so I'll just be honest here. I played five hours of this game and I'm done with it. 
I don't want to oh, yeah, play more. Almost exactly. Like I'm, I unlocked exactly two characters, and I don't, I don't know if there's synergies because I don't want to play it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 you were saying that beating the first act felt like the real tutorial to you, and that might, if that's true, that's a failing of the game, um, because it's a lot. It's a lot to be thrown at you, uh, and and a lot of it is. Like there are four kinds of damage over time. It's basically like if they had poison, but also like four kinds of poison. Mm-hmm. There's actual poison. There's Burn, flame, bleed. There's bleed. They, it's got it all. It's got all the different kinds of armor. <laughs> it's like it took like each individual mechanic is a good mechanic. And they're like, but what if there were three of that same mechanic in this game? Um, And... Like thirty characters versus sixteen. I don't know. I only saw six of them, mm-hmm. uh, because like it did not hook me enough to get through to grind through because I don't. I didn't have fun playing it. It made me upset, mm-hmm. and it like the the best comparison I have is uh, a board game. It's Twilight Struggle, which Scott and I have played, where. As you're playing, it feels like you're trying to lose less. But in Twilight Struggle, you're playing as another human who's also feeling that same thing. So you're like, well, this feels like I'm scrabbling trying to stay alive, but I know Scott is too. When you're playing this game, you're like, this is an unthinking computer. It's not feeling that way. Mm -hmm. I'm just like trying not to lose, trying to like, oh, whoops, no, I forgot. Like, oh here uh I, you know i was really hoping for crit here but 10 percent. like well i guess i'll just roll the dice uh like there's so many dice rolling mechanics in it where it's just like it's a 10 percent, it's 20 percent. It, it's a coin flip where i, I did not i never felt like i was in control of the game mm. um and maybe if i played it for three times more hours than i did i'd start to feel like i understood or had control but like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put in half a work week just to learn <laughs> if I like a game mm-hmm. eventually when I know I don't like it right now. Yeah, it is very much that kind of like hard pivot, like crash into a brick wall whiplash of uh, Monster Train, where like everything is laid out in front of you, all of the math is done for you. You know exactly what the monsters are gonna do. You know what they're gonna do to your units. And then, like, it's all laid out in front of you. And you're like, okay, I have a puzzle in front of me. And how, what what can I think of in order to, to strategize around this? And I think, like, from, like, dev interviews that I've listened to with the, the people who developed Darkest Dungeons, it seems like their goal is, is exactly to, like, beat you down in order to build you back up again. And I, it's a conscious design decision. It doesn't work for everybody, clearly. Uh, I don't know that it needs to. And I think that, like, if... if I'll be curious to get Will's assessment of this, because I think Darkest... My assumption, as someone who never really played Darkest Dungeons 1, is that that kind of theme is still there in the first one, of, like, hey, like, welcome... Welcome to Darkest Dungeons 1! Like, you're gonna get your ass beat, and, you know, you're gonna... You're you're here to get a pounding 
and your goal is to survive the pounding kind of almost like in a Dark Souls way, right? Of like, you know, the game is going to go out of its way to be unfair and mean to you, and your real victory is like the moral victory of getting around it. Well, I mean, like, sense? in in Dark Souls 1, I felt like, and this is a while ago, so I, 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 mean, I might be misremembering, but having put 75 hours into the game, there was something... It, it, in the beginning that kept me playing. And so it was, it was a much easier for me to get into it, which is to say that like, I could understand the synergies early enough. I could understand the decisions and like what was important. I could understand like when I was selecting like where to go, oh, I should actually modify where I'm going based on the characters I have because some of my characters are good at fighting this type of monster. And all that stuff like made sense like really fast and it was intuitive. Whereas in this game with like all these characters and all the unlocks and unlocks mind you that are hidden behind like the back character on like backstories you have to like only slowly get through in the game so you don't even know what your characters are capable of really mm -hmm. like in, in in terms of like the long term and so as you're building them up you might be having a, a, like a terrible like crew of dudes and not know until you've like gone several steps down that oh like even if i'm choosing the right skills here like i really want to be building like lots on bleed or i want to do lots on the the poison stuff and like oh, these two don't ever actually like line up. And so that's kind of like one of the things that I think gets to what Colin was saying is that like, yeah, like I did do, I unlocked all the characters just to say that I did, but like in order for me to like go through and do it, play once with each of them, which is to say to unlock nothing, it, it would have taken me many, many runs. And that kind of like comes back to this whole thing where this game just takes way too long. I'm I, I don't have the exact numbers on the average runtime, but a Darkest Dungeons one run I think was like thirty minutes or something like that. And mm -hmm. I, with this game, and I I think I because I, I did beat the whatever the Act One or whatever. Like it felt like it was like an hour and a half, two hours. Is that yeah. is that about right? I I did some timings for this. Yeah. Uh, your standard uh kind of normal battle encounter I timed out on average of like three to five ish minutes. Which, like, at first, again, like, coming out of Monster Train was, like, like literally just, like, oh, my God, this is, like, I'm wading through molasses here. This is, like, so tediously slow. Uh, I, I think, like, at first, I was just, like, oh, my God, I hate that I have to watch, like, all the animations. I have to, like, wait for all the enemies to do their thing. Just, just get to it. Where's my Monster Train turbo button? Damn it. Um, but, like, okay, so, like, three to five minutes for, like, your standard battle encounter. I think in most acts, if not all of them, you'll encounter um, oh these like abyssal like mini boss dudes uh, who are like these eldritch horror guys. I mean, they're all eldritch the horror to some degree. Yeah, the cultists. That's right. Um, and like those battles, I think for me, the first few times I did them took like closer to like ten minutes each. And yeah, because they have a lot of healing. They have a and lot of healing. Like they stun. they typically have like one or two really beefy damage dealer guys. Uh, and it's it's like the first few times you encounter it, you're like Jesus, this is like impossibly hard. Like what what do you are you, what are you expecting of me, game? Um, but like as you like slowly unlock things in the game, and you know you find you're like you're slowly figuring out the systems. You're like okay. Now I know kind of what to expect with these cultist encounters. Um, now I know roughly like how the synergies of the different characters operate. Like, yeah, I can I can kind of ragdoll them around in like three to five minutes now. But it took a long time to get there. And it was like distinctly unfun 
to lose to them the first few times. So are you better now at like playing the game or do you, have you just like ground out more unlocks and your characters are better? I think, I think both. I think I'm better at understanding <laughs> the, uh, almost deliberately obtuse iconography that's in the battle sequences oh, where again fuck. like monster train monster train slay the spire these uh grifflands even that we just recently played um all do tool tips exceedingly well like you see a yeah. symbol on the screen you mouse over it uh, it's probably important to note that this game doesn't have controller support yet god help you for like you know how you would get a controller to mouse over all of these icons in here um, but in theory, like those games, you, you're like, what is this symbol? Mouse over. Oh, okay. This is what it means. This is what it does. That's great. Um, cont hold control, which for a different brings screen. up a thing over the whole screen. It's like, okay, what symbol am I looking for? I don't know. Let's look along, among these 40 symbols. And Many like, of which okay, look very similar. Memorize what symbol you're looking for. Uh -huh. Then like scan across it and be like, oh wait, no, it's not here. It wasn't the there. Disease. That was the problem. Like half the symbols just weren't in there. They were the like well, symbol. Uh, I don't okay, know. So they're in the archive. I don't know. It was <laughs> so. So again, there's two types of symbols. Holy the, mackerel! There are the ones on the top that, like, you know, we were talking about earlier. Do the kind of like, uh, like damage over time. They're like uh, buffs and like defensive things. And then like the things on the bottom that are like kind of similar but slightly different and have like similar coloring and symbology and like. Again, like it's it's not ideal. It's... F tier. This is F tier game design right there. I don't know that it it's not F tier. It is not F tier because I think there's there are worse. There are games that ha that we have played that do the UI much worse than this game because once I was able to get it, like it took a while to get there, and it's still not perfect. But I I still think it's like leagues better than uh I, again all devs go to heaven. It's okay to not like or not like a game. Din's Curse, I think, has an abysmally bad UI where, like, it's just, like, not not as good. But, like... Yeah, but in Din's Curse, I wasn't... If I got the iconography wrong, I wasn't going to lose a run immediately because of it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you... Like, oh, there's the dude who's drumming who's making this thing happen. It's like, well, if I don't, if I ignore that, then I will lose this turn mm -hmm. or next turn. Like, this game is extremely, like, it is a puzzle. It is, you have to play it right. And so you have to know what those symbols are. You have to know what it's going to happen to you. Because if you don't, your people will die. Mm -hmm. I'm going to retroactively uh, pretend I didn't say Din's Curse and what I meant to say was A Valley Without Wind was much oh. worse in terms of its UI. Din's yeah. Curse, again, still fun game. I'd like gladly go back to it and like smash monsters for up at most five minutes. But like <laughs> A Valley Without Wind, like just this kind of like 2001 A Space Odyssey of like colors flying at you. of just like, what? Like, I, there's, I don't think there's any human way to describe what's happening here. Dark well, that was like two. Yeah, that was our worst rated game, wasn't it, or something? No, like that? it's it's one of them. Realm of the Mad God is still the uh, the bottom. Oh no, no, it's, the, uh, a Valley Without Wind is my personal last ranked one. Okay. So like, yeah, no yeah, wonder. I mean, yeah, of course. We're, so you're we're gonna compare Dun Darkest Dungeon to a forty dollar game with a <laughs> like a. Reason I have for just put I 
Well, okay, I'll talk about this later. <laughs> in our Valley Without Wind deep dive segment for, uh, <laughs> for later in the episode. Um, yeah, like the, I think like one of the major handicaps outside of the wagon system is, and I don't know if this is a UI or a UX thing, but it's some combination of that, of like the new player experience to this game is exceedingly bad, where like, if if you are trying to draw, I commend the devs for trying to draw people into a more um, mainstream roguelike experience with this game. Darkest Dungeons one very different game, very different kind of flow to it, and that's fine. Um, the sequel here, it feels like it's trying to be more your standard um, choose choose like one of three branching paths or things associated with it. You have checkpoints, you have boss fights at the end of them. Um, you have like meta progression unlocks. It's much more kind of familiar territory. Um, but like, these are all problems that people have solved, like with UI stuff. It doesn't feel like- I think- Doesn't feel ready for prime time yet, you know? I it's think still... that honestly, this game, like it needs a different act one. Mm -hmm. It needs an act one that is substantially easier and simplified. It needs an act one where there is literally the, the other symbols aren't even shown to you yet. There's only poison. You don't even see that there are other characters. All of your characters are friends. They're doing this thing. <laughs> They're going along like, oh, you don't have armor for your wagon or wheels. You're just like doing a thing. And you, you know, you get to the boss and like, you know, your your hand is held. Maybe it's a little hard. Maybe you die the first time. You're like, oh no. You play it again through. You beat the boss. You're like, oh cool. This game's not so bad. And then it just like absolutely wrecks you. It needs a, so a... you like have a taste of like hmm. how the game is supposed to be played before it adds five other layers of complexity because it throws so much at you and is like is poison different than burn should i focus on bleed uh, like it throws every single thing at you and i just it's just overwhelming and i i think maybe if the devs are listening which you know hey they should be because i mean actually they probably <laughs> oh, no, they they're, too, no, they're in the, the corner crying right now but uh <laughs> uh one way to potentially salvage um, what we have going on here is to apply knowledge of like what we've learned from other games that are very successful games like Hades games like Slate Aspire where there's the that idea of the ascension levels where if you want to add more difficulty and add more game mechanics of your own volition mind you so if mm -hmm. you wanted to add suddenly your cart has wheels that take damage suddenly suddenly your cart is like one that has armor suddenly lament is a thing like but that's all stuff that you optionally choose and in the progression later on early on it, that stuff doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. And I think that would solve a lot of the, of the gripe that goes into this. And I know this game's supposed to be hard and unforgiving, but like, it's not fun as is. And that's the primary thing you got to be working out. And like uh, a game can be hard and unforgiving and still very fun. Yeah. And so I don't know if you, what you guys think about that, but um, yeah, I mean, another, I think in that same dev interview that I was listening to, like they, they kind of addressed like their initial, like hot out of the gate, this game got dumped on in steam reviews. Uh, I part yeah. of my uh, part of my Google Doc here. So according if if Steam DB rankings are to be trusted for roguelike games that released in in 2023, uh, Darkest Dungeons 2 rates just below uh, 
I didn't know either of these two games existed. Uh, ranks just below Fat Sheep Crisis and just above Sex with Hitler World War II. <laughs> but okay, so with that in mind. Did you play those games? To, to, you know, to... maybe if we get enough interest from our listeners, we'll put it in the in the two process queue. Uh, but I think at the stay moment, stay tuned, it's... listener. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fat sheep crisis. A stay tuned and a half. Sex oh, no. with Hitler. I don't know if that. Uh, you know, I, I think we have a standing rule of no hentai games in here, which there's surprisingly a lot of, of roguelike hentai games that I'm excluding from our two cover list. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, that same Sex with Hitler 2069. that's wow incredible very positive it's only three dollars it's not forty dollars uh but in that same interview i think they they were addressing like hey this game came out on steam it kind of got dumped on with reviews and their their defense whether you believe it or not was something of like you know we're making the game that we want to play we're not trying to to you know win any awards we're not going out there for like this wasn't like a monetary those are lies i don't believe it kind of thing which 40 dollars, you know um right and you know if if that's true then they made the game that they wanted to make for them and that's perfectly okay uh i think it's okay for them to make a game that doesn't doesn't appeal to, to everyone um i don't know how that's going to impact future sales of games in the darkest dungeon universe or oh yeah that's expansions the or dlcs but like it's not just that it's all a red hook i mean at this point they've i mean like if they do other oh, things no i don't know about that i mean, I I mean honestly 40 like it just it just it, it blows my mind they, it, this is what happened they they had a really good uh first game mm-hmm. and they just decided hey let's just crank something out it doesn't matter what it is just as long as it has the same name and I mean, I did this all the time in like Game Dev Tycoon or whatever that game is, like where you're like making sequels <laughs> of games. Like it's an easy way to ca- grab cash. And maybe the idea is that oh, once they have the cash, then they'll be able to make the thing they really want. But yeah. no, that's not how I want to, my. The, I don't. I don't want games to be developed like that. This is a bad way of going about it. One thing that really bugged me about this. So forty dollars, pretty steep. I think like there are instances in which like. And, you know, let's be clear, like, you know, games a while ago, like the the $60 game hasn't really like stayed with inflation much. It should be like, what, closer to $90 now? But anyway, like $40, not the end of the world, but like most roguelike games are priced somewhere between like 15 and at most like $30. So like to go well outside of that, and again, like 2D to 3D jump, there's a lot. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, honestly, like I understand where the... $40. $40. It feels like the polish level of a $40 game in terms of they put a lot of work into the graphics, into mm-hmm. the like look and feel of the game. I mean, we've played a lot of games that feel like one dude made it mm-hmm. and it's still a great game despite that, but like, wow, Party really Valley. like fun. <laughs> hmm? Oh, Stardew Valley is the one I was calling out sure. there. Sure. Well, oh, that was actually, weird no, that you Stardew just said Valley is a bad, a bad exp- uh, because Stardew Valley is a good visual game despite that. But no, like we played a lot of games that are like objectively don't look good, but are still fun to play mm-hmm. because like the gameplay is good. This is the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, where's our, they put where's up, our... I mean, and honestly, I don't even. I think that the battles look pretty good mm-hmm. 
the wagon sequence stuff, I don't really like the look of at all. I don't really like any, there's no part of the wagon stuff that I like. Not yeah. a single, I hate every single part of it. I hate the design decisions. I I disagree with the decisions they've made, mm-hmm. which is uh, honestly, it's one of the first times that, like we've played a lot of games where I say, oh, you know, I really, you know, they didn't quite get there, but I really, I applaud them for like what they were trying to do. It was overly ambitious and like, you know, like I, I, I want to like this game, but it didn't work out kind of thing. This feels like they made decisions that are contrary to what I want in a game that I'm playing. And then they just like made that game as best as they could. And to like, Oh, a fully polished version of a game that I don't want to play. Amen. You know, I'm not particularly like, I don't, really like the whole uh dark souls stuff like i did i haven't really enjoyed that genre of like very punishing game so Mm -hmm. there's like i'm already starting off with this probably isn't the genre that's perfectly aligned with what i'm looking for in a game but boy (laughs) can i I, I just want to bring up this last game mechanic because I think this is the one that um, I know has been talked about in interviews, especially with like the creators of, of course, Slay the Spire. But all, like when I think about like these kind of spectrum between Monster Train, Slay the Spire and and Arcus Dungeon 2 with the, like specifically regarding how you understand what monsters are going to do, how the what the enemy is going to do mm-hmm. in, in, in Slay the Spire, the original before they actually showed you the intent of all the creatures was to have it be a mystery. So you didn't know if they're going to attack, if they were going to defend. And they found out very quickly that that's not fun. If you just don't know what they're going to do, <laughs> it makes it so that your decision making is very much like it feels more like random, like, oh, I will. I don't know if they're going to attack, so I don't know if I should block sort of a thing. And so that was one of the first things they implemented. And so that what you have to learn about them over time is like, OK, well, if you go into the fights, you, you're still you can still like even if you don't know anything about the monster, or what their capabilities are, you can still kind of get through it pretty well. Later, you learn that, oh, when this when the blob is doing like the, the you know, has this specific sort of a, the, the this charging up sort of a thing, you know, it's going to put like five slimes into your hand. And so that's something you have to learn. And so there's like, that's one way of doing it. And then you have monster train, which is just like, no, here it is. It's all spelled out for you. They, yep. they only do one thing. They attack you and they attack <laughs> you for a mound that we're very specified or, you know, it's very specific. They don't do all these, these block things and all these other crazy things. And so that's another way. And then you have this one, which is like you approach it and it is that slay the spire, like before they got rid of them or before they give shows you intent, you don't no idea what they're doing. And so you enter the game and you can actually, what is it, the old button or whatever? And you can like, you, you actually have a library of moves that it slowly builds up over time. But in the beginning, you have no intent. And you have no idea what they're going to do. You have no idea who you should be targeting. Is it the one in the back? Is he going to do more? Da- is he going to do AOE? Is he like, you just have no idea. And I think it, honestly, like this one mechanic right here could solve a lot of the early feelings of like, I don't get it. I don't understand like how to approach this because all the, the feelings of synergy, like you have to learn all the different, you, well, you have to learn all the enemies, learn all their different abilities learn how that meshes with your team. Like, it's just way too much. And I just think that like between these three, I think Monster Train and Slay the Spire are kind of like, they're both doing the right thing, which is mm-hmm. different. And then you have this one, which is just this bastard child, which doesn't know exactly <laughs> what it needs to be. And which is just tremendously unfun. Yeah. 
Is that about right? I mean, like, I think I think that's a good way of kind of dividing these up. But like, is intent? Does intent matter? Like, understanding the intent of the enemies. Are there good games that exist where you don't understand what's going to happen? I think there are. I don't think we've gotten to them yet, but there. And like, I'm kind of like spacing on like one that comes to mind immediately because it's been so dominated in that genre of games that have figured this out of like, oh, it is more fun to have combat be a puzzle that. Oh, the enemy's planning on doing this. How am I going to use my player agency to mitigate it? Versus like, oh, like, ah, it's just like really disheartening from a new player experience in Darkest Dungeons 2, where like I was I was totally baffled by the initiative order system. Again, <laughs> right, one, yeah. one, once I figured it out, I'm like, okay, I kind of get it now. But like you jump into a fight like your units are like are all stressed out they have low health you jump into a fight with the cultists and they're just like they take like one turn at the start like b- before any initiative and you're like hey wait a minute and then they take another turn and you're like uh hey don't we only get one turn per unit here people what's going on they're just like nope turn 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 what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you can't hit me you can't hit me i'm just like oh my god really uh again new like you you get through act one and if you're able you know to sustain it and you're just like okay i finally get what they're trying to do it was not a really elegantly implemented way of getting about it but kind of in that dark soulsian way of like okay i'm gonna run around this corner and then like giant mushroom punches you in the face and you're dead you're like well that was dumb uh i could i don't know why this game is so great but like the next time you come around that corner you're like okay i'm ready for you mushroom man I know to, to like dodge and then another mushroom punches you and you're dead. You're like, okay, like trial by error, figuring out like all the ins and outs of this. Yeah, where every trial is two hours uh, instead of yeah, uh, yeah, again, time like, it takes yeah. in Dark Souls, so like <laughs> so two minutes. My my last my last real criticism of this game is that there is a literal, like not a tool tip, but they have like the encyclopedia of all the tips and whatnot, where they're like Oh, even if you're pretty sure you're going to lose this run, got to keep going because you got to get them candles. Can't abandon your run, blah, blah, blah. And so once you start, you you have four people. Once you start losing people, you cannot beat the run. Mm -hmm. But you can continue. You can keep dragging along for quite some time. And it's just like, cool. So now I'm playing a game that I already know is lost. Mm. For what? 20 more minutes that's almost the entirety of a darkest dungeon one run that i'm playing i'm like well this is a lost cause but i guess i want to get some more candles mm-hmm. like i you know i got to the last fight with the cultist with two people and i i think it is literally impossible to beat it with two people because they out healed my damage like yeah. if i had both my people doing their their highest damage they were out healed i did they the the, the cultist ended the fight with maximum hp <laughs> huh and I mean, more like buffs like they were stronger at the end of the fight than the start of the fight but it still took like four minutes for me to lose that fight yeah yeah i mean i was before we were recording this like i was sitting on the couch on the steam deck like I'll, again i'll give kudos to this game plays pretty well on the steam deck for not being natively supported on it it does chug super hard for those wagon segments that kind of like Amanda was sitting on the other couch and she just hears like the fan start whirring on the steam deck. And she's like, is that you? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, what is, what is doing that? And I'm like, it's this wagon segment. And she's like, okay. Uh, like 
sitting there and I was running through the pigman sewers and yeah, I was just, it got too greedy in a fight. Like one guy died and then another guy died. I'm like, okay, I can see where this is going. I'm not going to like survive this fight, but like waiting for them to die, it was going to take like literally just five minutes of watching pigman squeal at me. Like again, yeah. like maybe pretty funny, but like I could just hit that abandon button and just start a new run. I'm just going to do that. And it's like, oh, you're going to lose 20% of your candles. It's like, all right, well, I don't really care. I was really motivated at one point to try to fire up cheat engine and see if I could like cheat my my way into like 500 right. candles. But like surprisingly difficult. I'm sure some people have figured it out. But I think like the candle drop rate feels okay. But what's missing is some like big candle drop uh, sync of like, okay, if I go here and like fight the mini boss of this act, that's going to drop like 50 or 100 candles like all at once like bam that would be great like i really want to unlock like this like really want to go deep into this one unlock tree but i don't want to have to play for five or six more hours to do so if i just go and like you know test the odds and you know go and fight this optional mini boss uh for the act like that's a whole other topic in and of itself where you have to like fight through one wave of enemies then another wave of enemies then a final boss uh super punishing at first but like once you kind of get it you get it if those guys drop like 50 to 100 candles that would be such a really good magnet where like not only do you have to fight those guys eventually to get to the mountain in later acts confusingly laid out in the game's encyclopedia but that would like i think really help to unblock a lot of meta progression with those ranking Fair time enough. yeah <laughs> I'm adjusting my rating given everything that we've talked about here. I, uh, it's a, it's the direction. new number one. Darkest I adjusted it down while we were talking because thinking about it made me more angry. Yeah, no, I, and I looked at like you know Dungeons of Dreadmore. I think I had I had given a five, and I'm like, you know what? I I think I prefer playing that game actually. So that yeah, okay. Let's that's another that's a kind of an anchoring point. Yeah, who wants to go first? Well, I already gave my like kind of uh, where my <laughs> high end. Could I'll start. Be. I'll start. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we were talking about a valley without wind? Mm -hmm. I have it above this game. Whoa! Wow! Ooh, wow! I have this game as nineteen out of twenty-four. I was actively annoyed while playing this game. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was because like you know I didn't have to. You know, a little bit of an annoying day at work when I played it the last time. Got home, just like this game makes me angry and upset, and I'm having anti fun. <laughs> I'm like, after I'm done playing it, I wish that I had just sat doing nothing. Like it's the first game that we've played during this podcast where I, I can't give them any like, well, they're only one person, or like, oh, they just don't have enough money to make a good game. Like every other game that's below this are, is like a either like a very low production value game or like solo dev or realm something. of the mad god which is just a fucking wild ass game <laughs> um but all the other ones are like oh you know there's just no production value there's you know not very much money went into it it was a four dollar game like this is i just fundamentally disagree with how they think games should make you feel and I don't want to play it. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, let's have you go next. I'll, I'll, I'll end on maybe a more positive note. 
But then we don't have the the shit sandwich uh, methodology. Here. But we're okay. following we're following the darkest mantra of starting out as dark as possible and ending the light is at the end of the tunnel where we're gonna get there. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so yeah, like I said, uh, uh, five was uh, the kind of the upper limit. But uh, yeah, I, I, I have it coming in at a four point five out of ten. Um, which on out of all 24 games that puts it uh, tied with like three others essentially um, in 15th place. Uh, so close to close to, to Collins ranking. And I think that if we were to like normalize these um, with like by dividing by their price tag, then this would be the worst <laughs> game. I think that's a way of thinking about it is yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Cause all the other ones, yeah, they're like one, two, three, four, five dollars is really cheap. This is just, um, yeah, for the for the price, it is. This is unacceptable. This is 2023. We know what makes good game mechanics now, and they just decided to to look at everything that exists and say, no, nah, we're gonna do it wrong. And so, yeah, that's. <laughs> I won't ever buy another Red Hook game again. <laughs> so I wish I wish that you all out there listening could see Scott's face and how uncomfortably he is right now. With our level, the devs want to fight me. The, de- the devs can fight me. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna beat that boss of doubt here, and I'm going to put this at my my new number eight out of the 24 games that we played, which is just gonna put it just above Loop Hero and just behind Hand of Fate Two. This game could have been like as high as my new number five, which would have put it above Monster Train and just behind Binding of Isaac. But we'll get we'll get to why in a minute here. Uh, I think like Darkest Dungeon 2, Colin, I think you nailed it, feels very similar with Loop Hero of like, you have this kind of ethereal nature of like going out on a run, you got some boss fight, you have like a kind of a borderline irritating amount of grind that you got to do. Um, but I think like it's maybe a little less grindy than Loop Hero. Uh, I think I like them about the same. Uh, but like I really uh, okay, wait. Hang on, I'm getting, getting ahead of myself here. Where's my where's my good and bad thing in the Google Doc? Here we go. Okay, start with the bad first. The UI is capital B bad. And what what I mean by the UI is like the the individual like the art of the UI is really good. There's just like a baffling design procedure of like. Why can't I mouse over these things? Like when I'm in a a choice encounter, like why do I have to hold the alt button in order to figure out what the symbology at the bottom means? Like oh oh I like, forgot I forgot another weird thing that I hate. Why do you have to hold down the button? Yeah, whenever you're making a choice, like how are you going to map that to a controller? Like good luck for the console release. You just have I mean, to hold it for like two seconds. Like why? I know how to click a button. Uh huh. It's not I just it's ever there's so many times where I was like going to click a button and then I'd be like sitting there waiting for something to happen like oh right I have to hold it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, continue. Uh, like uh, until Will told me you have to hold down control on the keyboard in order to see like the the status tooltips. I'm just like really? Like that's like I was like furiously like hovering over the little icons like trying to click them like I guess I'm dumb. I guess there's something wrong with me. Uh like that seems like a fixable problem. The new player experience, again, I think like Colin nailed it with, or um, what was it Colin or Will? It said like, make it like the Ascension levels where like yeah, the first well, act, yeah. yeah, like first act, like 
make it more new player friendly. Second act, add more stuff. Third act, add more stuff. Then by the fifth act, you know, the super final boss, you have all these compounding factors like, okay, now like it feels like really weighty and heavy and, you know, that feels more appropriate. Um, new player experience is bad, but fixable. Wagon driving, totally unnecessary, but fixable. Just like Don't make have it. it. Uh, there's there's made i don't know what the answer is but there's a way to solve for it i'm sure um this feels like a triple a early access game without being labeled as such i think like it's a good one it's well polished there were like basically no bugs that i encountered it kind of crawled a little bit but i feel like it it just needs a little bit more of like a nintendo style polishing run on it um fixable right um the four the $40 price tag, I think, is too much. And when the game first launched, uh, this is what really dropped it like five spots on my ranking. The game first launched, like, yeah, it was $40, but if you had Dark Ascensions 1, like, it was $30. bucks. i am like, okay, like, that feels like what the real price for this game should be at full release. $30 feels right. I'm not a marketing guy. Like, I can't run their business biz ops for them. Uh, but, you know, if they're not in it for the money, price at $30. Risk of Rain 2 is $25. And I think that is another like bamboozling, you know, 2.5 3D game that probably had a lot of production value put into it. But like they got rid of that option. They got rid of the option to upgrade. Like if you have dark, if you're a fan of Darkest Dungeons 1, you got it in your library, you can't get Darkest Dungeons 2 for $30 anymore. It seems like a minor thing, but they actively time gated that and got rid of it. Huge mistake. I think that is just kind of like a slap in the face to their Darkest Dungeon 1 fans. Uh, just completely unnecessary. What they should have done is, like, they launched this game in early access on Epic Games Store. Nobody played it. They didn't get any feedback. They should have relaunched it in early access on Steam, get player feedback at a low price point of, like, $20 to $25, increase it to $30 once it's, like, in V1.0, and... I think people probably have a lot less guff with it. I know like that's, I think my biggest thorn in my side with this thing. And I don't know how fixable that is. I don't know if like they can say mea culpa and say, okay, we're going to April fools. We're dropping the price point term, like permanently to 25 uh, without walking back significantly. But okay. The, the light at the end of the tunnel, the goods, art style, music, animation, in this game, all great. I really like them. I think they all work coherently. Uh, it it's a really pulse pounding experience once you get into it. The general gameplay loop once you grok it, I think is pretty good. It's not perfect. It's not the best gameplay loop I've ever played, but it's pretty good. I think it's in the upper echelon of I think it's in the top twenty five percent of the games that we've played so far. Um, each run I think feels pretty different once you get used to it. Uh, there's like. And by that, I mean like, okay, in this run, I'm going to focus on just getting candles. On this run, I'm going to focus on beating this mini boss. The little character side objectives, I think, help to diversify like what you should be focusing on and kind of sprinkle out like things that you should do. That that feels okay. Um, the boss fights, I think, are well done once, once you like lose to them at least once. Uh, and you're like, okay, now I know what to do. I've watched a, a guide. I don't know if that's totally necessary for everyone, but like it beating a boss feels satisfactory like it feel accomplished by doing so um and then once like you have all of these like complicated european board game systems under your belt 
it for me it does have that kind of one more run feel to it and i feel like that's kind of like a, a major hook for roguelike games so yeah this is gonna roll in at number eight for me um and our overall ranking for this game uh is gonna be our new 15 out of 24 putting down, this down from like 12 out of 24 at the start yeah. of this podcast yeah um putting it uh just above dungeons of dreadmore just behind hand of fate one uh for its its final resting place here um whew. that was darkest dungeons 2 uh I'm just sad that I, I'm outside the refund period because otherwise, you better believe I'd be uninstalling right now and getting my refund. You buy a bo- nice bottle of whiskey to right. make it so you don't remember this game. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to put that in the Zoom chat. I don't know if I'll say it on the podcast, though. But uh, anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> so that that's gonna do it for our, our darkest dungeon two show here uh our email if you want to write into the show uh i'm sure the devs will, will send us a bunch of hate mail to our email grogpodzone at gmail.com uh we're gonna lose a lot of followers on our mastodon grogpod at gamedev.place and we're definitely gonna get ddosed by uh, all the dd2 fans at our is website. ddos darkest dungeon original sin Ooh, maybe. Uh, Rogpod.zone, where you can find all of our rankings. You can find previous episodes that, that we've done. Um, our next episode, out of our random grab bag, uh, between Armored Commander 2, Desktop Dungeons, not Darkest Dungeons, but Desktop Dungeons, uh, and its Rewind counterpart, uh, and Shattered Pixel Dungeon. Uh, Will, you uh, you are interested in having us play Shattered Pixel Dungeon? I mean, I'm the only one who voted, it looked like, in our little system here, but um, I, I said absolutely no to Armored Commander because that just looks like a cog mind <laughs> of a variety sort of game. Wait, <laughs> looks like cog mind. I, I mean, uh, I mean, it's a... Uh, it does, it, it is, it is uh, like, built with the same Rex Paint UI. Yeah, and the and other one World, was... World War II roguelike tanks, Colin, just as a... Uh, oh, yeah. shit. I was thinking of a different game. I should have, I should have read your messages more closely. This looks great. Do we have... Should we do a uh, a coin flip off? What? No, wait, <laughs> wait a minute now. Colin's no, 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 no. Pick. I want I want to do the pixel one. I want to. I, I I'm in, I'm interested in doing a mobile game. I think it's okay. a like that's a, that's a, a an entire territory we haven't even looked at yet. So I think that'd be yeah. That's and that's it, interesting to me. And it's a traditional roguelike too. And then the the other one was the. Uh, uh, was it Dungeon? Something? What was Desktop the other one? Dungeons. Desktop And I think I played the first one because it was like available through your Steam library and I just I just hated it. And this is like the <laughs> rewind of it. So another maybe this is the case where sometimes the sequel gets better, um, unlike with what we've just seen. But uh, I don't know. I'd rather go with uh, something completely new and on a different platform. So I'll try out a mobile game. I've never done actually. I, I don't really do any mobile games at all. Um, so I'm curious to see if I'll, I'll hate it or like it. Yeah, we were talking about this offline a little bit. There's there's a pretty deep amount of roguelike games that are that are on steam that you can play on mobile most notably magic survival which inspired the whole vampire survivors craze is mobile only and you can't find it basically anywhere else but like the 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 database for like trying to find like just tell me all the roguelike games on on android or ios like disturbingly difficult to find like it is not easy to find that big list of games is more almost kind of like word of mouth but yeah there's there's like a good amount of them and yeah i am also excited to try 
seeing how this kind of dungeon diving experience will work. Uh, don't you guys have phones? Uh, <laughs> on my on my phone here. So that's gonna wind up our our darkest episode yet. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Valley Without Wind was darker, but uh, I liked Valley Without Wind. <laughs> It was a stupid game, but I liked it. Just a little bit more than... I liked it, uh, you know, 18 out of 24. Uh-huh. Uh, well, so to play out this episode is going to be a a battle against madness, nihilism, and hopelessness itself. Uh, this podcast episode. That is, if all those uh, things took the form of demonic keychains and a disembodied pulsating brain. <laughs> <laughs>